Before we end the service today, I want to pray for you. We have people praying in Florida. We have people praying all across North Carolina. And we are praying specific, specifically for needs. If you have a need today, I want you to uh, listen to the word of God. And then I want you to exercise faith and believe that the God that we serve, he is alive. Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. Jesus came out of the tomb victorious, certainly over death and the grave. The, and, but here's the great thing about this, and, and the title of the sermon is The Power of Christ's Resurrection. And to think about this resurrection is that you and I can experience that same power. You, you know, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, four things he wanted to do. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. So God not only wants us to celebrate the resurrection and to be excited over Jesus Christ uh, that he lives, but he wants us to experience the power of that resurrection. You know, uh, the scripture tells us that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies. In other words, you and I have that power available to us. Let's think about this, uh, the, the Apostle Paul, for just a moment. Paul was very, very religious. Uh, in fact, he was religious before he was saved. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, for we are the circumcision. Now listen at his pedigree. Listen, circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoicing in Christ Jesus. We have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else, Paul says, thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I even more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. In fact, that's the elite tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. And concerning the law, Paul said, listen, I was a Pharisee. I strictly abided by the law concerning zeal. He goes on to say, I was so, so zealous that I persecuted the church. And concerning the righteousness which is in the law, he goes on to say uh, that he was blameless and uh, he was a fiery defender of righteousness and purity of religion. So Paul was a religious person. Now, you may be religious today. In fact, if we could be in our churches today all over this nation, I wonder how many of us go to church and we celebrate the resurrection. May, we may even attend church regularly, may even pay our tithes, sing in the choir, and we may be religious, but religion will not save us. In fact, he had to lose, Paul did, his religion in order to find eternal life. 
Listen to what he goes on to say in this third, ver- ch- third chapter. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet I indeed also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Notice what he talks about when he talks about religion. He said, I count it as rubbish. Why? That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. And you know, sometimes it concerns me that the church, that the, quote, believer today we're more concerned about our own righteousness rather than certainly the righteousness of Christ. That righteousness from Paul or of Paul was from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteous which is from God, is by faith. So it's not by the law. Christianity is more about a relationship than a religion. It goes beyond the church. It goes beyond all of the things that some people count as being, quote, religious or saved. Someone put it this way. Christianity is not a religion based on abstract principles. Christianity is a relationship with a living Savior. A Savior we can know. A Savior who infuses our life and empowers us, who transforms us into His likeness. Let me ask you something this morning. Have you been transformed? Have you you been changed? Uh, I believe knowing Jesus Christ, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, changes our life. Religion can be cruel. Again, we're not talking about religion, but yet people are religious. There are many religions, and Christianity is certainly a religion, but I believe, as I said, it's more of a relationship because religion can be cruel. Did you know the Apostle Paul was a cruel man before he met Jesus on the way to Damascus? He even had people in prison. He even had people killed. So religion can be cruel. Religion produces a culture of exclusion and bigotry. How about us? Do we love people? I had a young man in the church not too long ago on a Wednesday night. First time he'd ever been here. And I looked at him and I said, I love you. He said, how can you love me? You don't know me. I said, I love you because Jesus Christ loves you. Yesterday, I encountered a gentleman here on the church grounds, and we were talking. And after our conversation, he said to me, why are you so kind to me? And I wonder today, is our, is, is, is our culture so until we're expecting people, Christians, believers, not to be kind? That takes precedent over uh, rituals and programs and church and music and everything else. We are to show forth the very fruit of the Spirit, which begins with Christ. And so people are hungry for that. People maybe not expecting it, but we need to show them love and, and kindness and let them know that Jesus Christ is love. And so we want 
to show love. In fact, I believe if you have Jesus Christ in your heart and you have that relationship that I'm talking about, I believe that you love everybody. doesn't matter who they are. And God challenges us to love. So Paul moved from religion to relationship. Paul wanted an experimental relationship. He wanted more than just a head knowledge. Paul wanted to know Jesus Christ experimentally. He wanted to know him as his savior. And that's, that, that's really my desire today as I talk to you and as we study his word that you might know him experimentally. I think if anybody could teach us how to certainly uh, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It was the Apostle John. The Bible says at uh, the Last Supper that, and John was in his early 20s, maybe even in his late 19, uh, in his teens. But, but John was leaning on the very breast of Jesus. He knew how to have a relationship with God. He knew how to have a relationship with Jesus. Let me ask you something today. Have you leaned on his breast lately? Have you listened to his heartbeat? Let me ask you this, my friend. Are you afraid? Lean on his breast. Are you hopeless? Lean on Jesus. Are you, my friend, troubled? Put your head close to his breast and hear his heartbeat. And hear what he has to say. And know what thus saith the Lord. The apostle Paul wanted to know Jesus Christ. Other words, to perceive him. Certainly to understand him. And to comprehend none other than the very son of God. That, that's what Paul wanted. He wanted to practice this. He wanted it to be a vital part of his life. Not something that he would go to church on Sunday morning, forget all about it after that, and go do his thing during the week. But he wanted a constant walk and relationship with Jesus Christ. One of the things that Paul encourages us here with, our knowledge of Christ leads to his empowering us with everything we need for life and godliness. P Peter spoke to this. Listen to Peter as he says in 2 Peter 1 and 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So a knowledge of Jesus Christ, more than just knowing about him but and knowing of him, but knowing Jesus Christ ushers us in to a powerful relationship with him. It gives us life and godliness. Uh, I, you might ask me this morning, Pastor Don, how do, can I know Christ? Paul knew Christ because he met him on the way to Damascus. He, had a, he was one of those disciples that knew him out of season, as he says. How do you and I certainly get to know Jesus Christ? First of all, I believe we get to know Christ by listening to faithful preachers 
of the Word of God. It's good to hear great teachers, good teachers. It's good to hear teaching of the Word of God. Study it. Write it down. Remember it. God's Word. And then impart by regularly reading and studying the Bible. Do you read your Bible? Do you have a Bible that you enjoy reading? Do you take time? We got a lot of time on our hands lately. And it's a very special time for us to set aside things, open the Word of God, read that, that you and I might get to know who He is. So listen to good preaching, listen to good teaching, teaching about the Word of God, reading the Word of God, and through prayer. What a fantastic way to get to know him. Pastor, I'm not too sure I know how to pray. Well, just talk to him like you would a friend because he is your friend. Just sit down and say, Lord, you know, I, I can't figure this all out. I, I, I don't understand it all, but I want to talk to you. And you can talk to him and he listens to you and he answers your prayer. The power of his resurrection, that's what he says. Paul said, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to experience this. This is a transforming power. In fact, he writes to the church at Corinth this. He said, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You want to be like Christ? Allow the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Ghost to usher you, usher you in into his very presence. Not just his omnipresence, an abiding presence. But allow him to usher you into his manifested presence. Let it be real in your life. You say, Pastor, that was for the early church. That kind of manifestation, all that power you're talking about, everything you're talking No, it's for us today. It transformed people's lives. The disciples, Mary Magdalene, millions of people over the years, lives have been transformed by this power. It is an enabling power. He writes to the church at Ephesus, now to him who is able... You say, Pastor, you talked about peace a while ago. You talked about hope a while ago. You talked about God setting me free from trouble. Listen to this verse. Grasp it. Understand what it's saying. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. You say, Preacher, how am I going to receive this power? How am I going to have this power? Well, you know, the Bible says, Jesus says this, and it's, it's two of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It's in John chapter 7, verse, uh, verses 38 and 39. He who believes in me, Jesus says, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, the King James says, the new King James says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this spoke, uh, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing would receive. Do you believe today? You see, 
what he's talking about, when we become a believer, when we ask Christ to forgive us of our sins, and we get to know him as our personal Savior, and the, the Bible uses this word saved, and we are saved, the Spirit of God comes in to live in us. That's a wow. The Bible speaks of that relationship like a well. It is like a well. He comes in like a well. But there, but there is an experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's when God Almighty allows you and I and the Holy Ghost to come upon us and come as he is in us to flow out of us. When we're saved, he flows in. When we're baptized of the Holy Spirit, he flows out. And you and I are enabled not only to live a, a Christian life, not only to live in a culture maybe that's against us, Christianity, but we're able to see some great things happen and the works of God you and I can do. Listen to what the Bible says. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's the kind of power the Apostle Paul was talking about, that I might know that power, that resurrection power. It's one thing to know about the resurrection. It's one thing to sing the songs. But it's something else, my friend, to know the power and have that personal relationship with God. When Jesus sent out the twelve, listen to what he says. He gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. Wow, Jesus did all that. And Paul says, I want to know that power. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. What kind of suffering? Not, not like he suffered with the beatings. And sometimes that may happen as people are martyred in foreign countries. But he's talking about suffering the offense of the cross. If you claim the cross, you're going to suffer. And then lastly, conformity to his death. Some maybe literally, but in order to live, we must die. We must be willing to die. Aren't you glad he rose? Aren't you glad that he lives today? One of the greatest songs about the resurrection is sung by Dallas Holmes. In fact, it was written by Dallas Holmes. It's entitled, Rise Again. Go ahead, drive the nails in my hands, laugh at me, where you stand, go ahead. Yes, I'll 
Amen. Hallelujah. What a song. Someone said to Alfred Ackley one time, why should I serve a dead God? Well, he said he's not dead. In fact, Alfred Ackley sat down and wrote this song. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. And here's the course. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. And he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how. I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Let me ask you one of the most important questions that you'll ever be asked. Does he live in your heart today? Could you actually say this risen Savior lives in my heart? If, the, if he doesn't, he can and he will. But you've got to ask him. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And there's only one knob on that door, and it's on the inside. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open that door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. What a fellowship. What a leaning on his breast. What a time we're living in today when we really and truly need that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ. People are praying for you today. I want you to know that. They love you. We love you. We thank you so much for your love for us and your support. Many of the church members are watching. Thank you so much for your support. But if you've never asked him right now, I want you to, right where you are, in your living room, in your kitchen, wherever you are today, I want you to say, Father, come into my heart through your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me. I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior to live for him the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you pray that prayer? Did you pray it honestly? And I believe you did. 
If you did, I want you to call a number. We have a number available to you that you could call and tell us, tell somebody or tell your mom, dad, grandmother, grandfather, tell somebody today, I accepted Jesus Christ. Here's the number, 919-383-LIFE. 919-383-LIFE. 919-383-5433. We'd like to hear from you what God is doing in your life. Our prayers are with you. Again, thank you today for joining us. In Jesus' name, amen.